Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Welcome to Elijah Streams. It is Friday, March 24, 2023. Uh, welcome to the broadcast, the last show of the week. Uh, this just gets better and better. We're going to bring on Robin Bullock in just a few minutes. And uh, we always have uh, just a short time where we talk about how, how we might open the show. And neither of us knows where it's going to go. So that makes it interesting because we're just uh, trying to listen to the spirit real time. And so doing if you'll continue to pray along with us, it's always very, very good that way. So a uh, quick announcement that Johnny Enlow, uh, the show Unfiltered, will be with us uh, again Monday as usual. It's always really, you know, one of the prime spots of the week. So do not miss that on Monday. Uh, as we, before we bring Robin on, let's go ahead and quit. We've got this brand new um, spot that was just developed by Caitlin. And uh, this will show you what's going on and why there's so much celebration about the wells, or they also call them boreholes uh, over there in Uganda. So here, here we go with that spot. This is amazing. Can't imagine how people are happy because of your love and your generosity to provide the clean water. People are dancing. People are happy. Elijah Streams. This is a great blessing. These people have not had clean water over, over, over this whole place. But through your generosity, see the joy, see the dancing. I am commissioning this poor hall on behalf of Elijah Streams. See the impact. See the, how people are happy. See how people are celebrating. Oh my, God bless you. And this village is a big village with a big population. I pray that as the Lord continues to provide, they will have another power hall because the population is very, very big. But you see the joy. Oh my, God bless you and bless you indeed. Every three days, we're, we're, we're drilling another borehole. Also, we call them the freshwater wells. We call them a well here. They call them a borehole or the, you know, so every three days, that kind of joy is released uh, in the villages of Uganda, close to where the Field of Dreams uh, is located. That's the, what they named the village. Mike and Lori Sally, who work both for their own organization, uh, Show Mercy, and they also work full time in the States for us, getting more and more of these, not only these wells, done in uganda but also many projects here i think probably next week we're going to bring mike and laurie sally on we're going to bring you up to date on where your funds are being invested into the kingdom so anyway uh thank you thank you thank you here's the way you can donate into this ministry and we are very grateful but god is more so so thank you all right time to bring in a robin bullock so here we go robin bullock how are you hello <laughs> my fingers just don't stretch in that combination i could do two i could do four. well peace is good That's peace good. man peace. peace man good to see you hey did you see by the way that movie uh jesus revolution Have i you did seen it? what's your thoughts I saw it. yeah i saw it man it was awesome and it's um, good where were yeah, you we, during those jesus revolution uh did you did you were you in on any of that well i was I was there, but I was, I mean, I was in that time. I was younger than, than my cousins, you know, and, uh, cause I was only about 11, 12 years old, you know, okay. and, but I dressed the part as all I could. I mean, that's all we knew back then, you know? Yeah. Well, I was surprised that when, I don't know if they cleaned it up, but that in the movie, I thought they showed all the hippies and all this, 
But yeah. I thought, man, that looks like a really clean cut look. You know, it's offending all these people. But I thought they look pretty good. You know, well, compared we, to the yeah, compared to Woodstock. Yeah, compared to Woodstock, that's true. Yeah. And and if you compared it to today, the the piercings and all of that, uh, the tattoos and all that, it it would be. And I think you know, but you know, I, I just going to say this, and we'll get into it. But I, I ask God never to let me miss this next one. I got it on the tail end of the other one, but yeah. um, I don't want to miss this one. And I can't wait to see if we've learned our lessons when those with severe piercings and mm-hmm. tattoos come in. Are we are we going to be able to be accepting that like we didn't get it all right back in that day? Well, you know, you know, in those days, Steve. Uh, the biggest thing they dealt with was um, it was the psychedelic culture. Yeah. It was, it was the drug culture. It was all psychedelic drugs, which, which put everybody experimenting with everything. And, um, but in this day, the modern, it's still the, the drugs are still there, but the biggest thing the church is going to have to deal with this time is people coming out of the LGBTQ communities. That's going to be the challenge of the church this time. And is it that, that is it that they're going to show up not having come out of it, and the church needs to disciple them from yeah. one thing to another? In oh, other yeah. words, they're going to have to yeah. disciple them at every stage. Yeah, because they're going to uh, what it is is it's the same thing. They're searching for identity. Yeah, and they were doing that back in '68 to '72 was searching for identity. They they were trying to you know they say find themselves. They didn't have any identity, and um, it's almost parallel. If you look at it now, we ha- we were in the Vietnam War in those days, and now yeah. Ukraine's happening now, yeah. and all of this is happening. But the modern the modern drug culture is the LGBTQ. That's going to be the biggest thing now. It's because it has stripped people of their identity. It has yeah. taken their identity. And most people that are in, in that uh, are probably evangelists. Really? You know? Yeah, because Satan can't invent anything. All he can do is take a call from God and just twist it up. But that's why you see that, uh, that community of people, they, they constantly, they're activated. They're, they're activists. They speak. They they're very outgoing, very bold, and all. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a call for evangelists. So you think it is that the that Satan sees the evangelists mm-hmm. and he knows who them by he knows what they look like, sound like, oh, yeah. I mean, whatever, and he mm-hmm. goes, "I'll I'll pervert that into homosexuality." Sure. Is it kind of like that? Sure, that's just like you know, you take uh, probably a lot of the drug uh, users and drug culture people. That's just uh, constantly. They're probably prophets. They're probably called into the prophetic ministry. And, um, and a lot of musicians are called into that field too, you know? Yeah. And so Satan, he, he just grabs things and, and turns it and perverts it. You know, I remember, uh, there were some friends of mine and I was talking about this one day and they had actually done it. So they brought, they brought these, they brought it to church and showed me. Uh, where they had boiled some rice and they poured uh, a mason jar half full of of it and this one and half full in another. And they sealed it up and they would go by every day and curse this one jar. They would curse it, curse it, curse it, put, put tape on it and write hate and just curse it. 
and that that jar of rice turned black and really? had like a, a molded thing to it. The other jar of rice, after they would go by and say how much they loved it, how it was blessed, and they'd speak to it. Five years, that jar that they blessed looked like they had just poured the rice in. And the other jar had turned totally black. Oh, goodness. Oh, so, man. so you're looking at something the devil knows, and he knows how this works. And he comes in and snags a gift God has given, and he starts making a curse out of it. He's, he can't, he don't have any power. I mean, he's a punk angel, you know, he's, He's not even a, a big angel. He's a punk angel. He's fallen. He, he, uh, everything he's got, he stole. And, and the only anointing left to him is money. Just well, how money. would you, Robert, I got to ask you, because I know people just heard you say that. And, and I, I, I pretty much agree with you on, on one level, but then there's that other level that says, if he doesn't have any power, why do I have all this? Why is all this cancer? Why are all these accidents? Why are all these plates floating? You know, for those who, how does, if that's not power. Well, yeah, but see what people are doing is they're, they're confusing something. See, Satan is, he's locked into a system. He's a created being. He yeah. didn't create the system. He's locked in the system. The scripture said he's a scientist. In Hebrew, it would tell you he's a scientist. He, where it says he seals up the sum in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 28. He seals up the sum. And uh, this means he understands what makes the tides go out. The tides come in. He understands what makes the rotations of the earth work. He understands all of that. And so what he, so this means he has a perfect understanding of seed, plant, and harvest. Okay. He knows the government of God and he knows how it works. And see, people don't realize they live in an unseen government. They live in yeah. an unseen set of rules. And everything you do is a seed. Everything you say is a seed. Every, every action you make is a seed. It produces something. It's not just haphazardly happening. Things produce. Well, the, Jesus said in Matthew 13 that angels are the reapers. They are reapers of harvest. So all Satan has to do is get a certain seed sown and he can reap it because he's an angel and he can oh, okay. reap harvest. And so he's using the system of law against us and he uses it constantly. You know, people go around, they'll say this all the time. You'll, you'll hear them say it. Oh, my head's killing me. My yeah. head's killing me. My back feels like it's breaking. I tell you, I think my head will bust open. And somebody will ask them and say, are you coming over here tonight? They'll say, I'm afraid not. Well, what are you afraid of? Why, did, why do you have to attach fear to what you're saying? It's because the planet was created out of words. All creation was created from God speaking words. And it responds to words. And the blessing and the cursing is voice activated. Gee. And so people start talking it. And uh, so Satan knows this. He knows how this works, but humans don't seem to know how it works. So Satan will use that to bring in cancer. He'll use people's sure. words. Sure. And, and the proof that it has a spiritual origin is the fact that doctors can't find the source of how it gets here. They don't know how it comes. 
So that means there's somewhere, there's a line crossed that brings it in somewhere. And it has to do, Job said this way, he said, what I greatly feared has come upon me. Yeah, I and what I was afraid I, of has I, I come had, unto me. I think it's 35, 40 years ago that began to be preached mm -hmm. to me. And I go, yeah, but is, I, this is my... Uh, my mm -hmm. speaking back then it's not now back then i said yeah but okay uh he just was using language what i feared but then over the years it had its you know mm -hmm. sowing and reaping in my mind and i thought yeah he said what i greatly feared has come upon me the very thing that i greatly mm -hmm. feared the most has come upon me and you are saying he just planted that seed that's right that's right see he knew he did it and if we go over to the book of job I can show you how it works if if you want to see it. I sure, mean, go for it. Yeah, you're it's there. very it's very um very eye opening in the in the law of things. If you go over to the book of Job, and uh, I don't know if you if you this yeah, we week pull, we we Emily can put can it on it. the screen. Yeah, Emily can pull it up. Do which part? Okay, we'll go to Job chapter one, and. Um, Boy, see, this is a perfect example, Steve Schultz, of how me and you don't know where we're going. No, we didn't know where we were going. I didn't know I was going to ask you about the movie when it came. I didn't know. Yeah. It's just like, I think it's awesome, my brother. Yeah, it is. All right, look over in Job chapter 1. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared Elohim. That's capital G little o, little d. That's the Hebrew word Elohim. It means triune God. It's talking about God, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And eschewed or turned away evil. And they were born unto him, and it tells his substance. It tells how, how rich the man was. He was absolutely the richest man of the East. Now, what a lot of people may not know is that more than likely, here's the scenario of what went down. <clears throat> uh, People say Job is a fictitious character. Some of them do. Some say he's just an allegory. So uh, they can't find his his origin. Hmm. Okay, but we have an example of when Jacob brought all of the children of Israel into Egypt in Joseph's day. Uh, Job is listed as the third son of Issachar. Really? Okay. Yeah, Job's name is under Issachar's lineage which Issachar is seers. That's where prophets mostly came from. And so uh, um, there are men who knew, uh, um, who could understand the signs of the times to know what Israel ought to do, not what they would do, but what they ought to do. Because a man's choice is never taken from the equation yeah. wow. ever. So he says, um, so you can see Job coming in with Jacob. Now, Joseph told the children of Israel something. He told his brothers something. He said, now, I'm going to paraphrase here. He yeah. said, uh, the reason this Pharaoh uh, loves you is because of me. He said, the only reason he loves you is because I'm here. Okay. He said, when I'm dead, take my bones and go back to the promised land. In other words, when I'm dead, get out, get up and get out. Well, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. But one man did. His name was Job. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And Job left and went to the land of us. Now, while he's in the land of us, he understands because he understands the signs of the times. 
He understands how things work. So he gets on the backside of the desert over in the land of us, and he becomes the wealthiest man in the East. All right. It's obvious what he studied. He studied Elohim, the creator God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He studied the triune God. He studied the Trinity. He studied how the creation worked. It's amazing to, to me and to people when they read the book of Job. Job says something about, um, he says, when the Lord told him, said, where were you or something when, and he talks about, and then Job starts talking about uh, Pleiades, mm-hmm. the constellation, and Orion, the constellation. And he said, these two are together. And science today, I believe that's the two he names. But anyway, it's the only two that's gravitationally hooked together. Really? The rest of the stars you see are in depth like this. They're miles and light years apart, but they're so far away, they look like they're side by side. But the two Job named are actually hooked together. And nobody knows how he knew that because most scientists don't know it to this day. And then Job talked about how when God laid the foundations of the earth, that the sons of God shouted for joy, the archangels shouted. And so we know he was talking about how it's put together in frequencies and how frequencies of sound are laid into the foundation Mm. of the earth. And he's talking about these things. And that's why he's called the wisest man in the East. So he's over there. And Job is studying the creator God, and he gets this, he gets this revelation from God that if you curse Elohim, you will die. And he, he, he learns this, that if you curse him, that it will bring death. And he gets in fear, real fear. Mm. Well, what took place now was let's go on. Time has passed. Moses, there. as soon as Joseph dies, they didn't leave. They stayed where they were rich in Goshen. So there arose a Pharaoh, an overthrow of the Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And he made them hard, put them in hard bondage. Now, when they did, they cried for a deliverer. A prophet shows up. In Hosea 12, it teaches us that a prophet's ministry brings preservation and deliverance. That's the ministry that comes through. That's the mantle that comes through. And so Moses comes on the scene. Well, uh, but before he goes before Pharaoh, the book of Acts tells us that he thought they would understand how that he was going to be the deliverer. So Moses had a revelation that he was going to be instrumental in this. And when he did, he thought it was going to be militarily. So he just steps in and kills an Egyptian. He finds one beating up a Hebrew. So he just killed him. I mean, that's how powerful a man he was. And he just killed him. Well, he, they didn't stand behind him. So he starts running and he runs to the backside of the desert. And there's a whole big story about that, but he gets to the backside of the desert and he starts tending sheep in Jethro's flock, but it wasn't his flock. It was Jethro's flock. Moses' flock is still in Egypt. That's where they are. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's tending Jethro's flock, his father-in-law. He, he, uh, he sees the burning bush. 
Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. He goes to the burning bush. It scares him half out of his wit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you can tell it did because he ran from the staff when it turned into a serpent. God shows him leprosy, healed and, and so forth. Then he shows him water on the ground turned to blood. Well, this frightens him. He says, go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Well, this gets him. So he goes and he meets a man on the backside of the desert that he knows is probably kin to him. And his name was Job. Mm, wow. And so Job sits down and begins to tell Moses a story about what fear will do to you. So then, then this story starts to unfold. And Job says, he was the studier. And, and so this is why people say Moses wrote the book of Job. Oh, okay. I see people, that. Yeah. And some people say that Job wrote the book of Job, but then it looks like Moses. And what happened was, is more than likely, most of it was written by Job telling Moses what happened. And then Moses wrote down what the spirit of God told him about the spiritual end of it. And so if that's some background on it, I didn't want to make it confusing sounding, but, but if that's, that's some background. So now we just, we can proceed. Okay. So he's talking about this and he says this. Now he tells about his camels and his, his children and his property and how rich he is. And then Mm. he would get to verse six of Job one says, now there was a day when the sons of God, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. Now think about that. So who are these sons of God? Well, these are angelic creatures. These are angels. And they come to present themselves before the Lord. Now you see how Lord is written there on your screen. Yeah, capitals. All all capitals. That's That's because it's the name Yahweh. This is God in his system of government. This is God in his system of government, of things that don't happen haphazardly. This is the government of seed, plant, and harvest. And it's God operating through that government. So it says the angels come before God and present themselves before the Lord, not God. So they're coming into this courtroom. And Satan came also among them. See, now people's got to get it in their mind, Steve, that Satan has been cast out of God's presence. He's not, he can't go into the presence of the almighty whenever he wants to. Hmm. That's ridiculous. He's cast out. You were told to come boldly to the throne, not Satan. Yeah. And so, but that's because you're part of his family. You have his blood. Now, Satan came also among them. Now look at the next verse. And it says in verse seven, and the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord, not God. Notice the name God's not even mentioned. Hmm. Whence comest thou? Why are you here? Satan answered the Lord and said from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Now here is a reference to when Jacob saw the ladder that went from the earth to heaven. And Jacob said, at the top of the ladder was the Lord. 
all capitals. Wow. And he said, angels were going up the ladder and coming down the ladder. They were going up with seed, bringing harvest back. And he said, wow. he said, where, why are you here? He said, I've been going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down. I've been taking men harvest, walking up and down in it. Next verse. And the King James says, and the Lord said to Satan, or this is a pronouncement now from the court. Have you considered my servant Job? And it, it would really say something to this effect. You've set your heart to destroy Job. And he said, there's none like him in the earth. He's perfect and an upright man. He fears Elohim and eschews evil. Now, if it's just the same thing happening, if it's the same name, why didn't the Lord say he fears me? But he didn't. He said he fears Elohim. Yahweh said he fears Elohim. Interesting. Wow. So he said, and he turns from evil. Next verse. Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, does Job fear Elohim for nothing? He said in verse 10, just keep coming down the line. He said, you made a hedge about him. Well, a hedge grows, you know, and about his house and about all that he has on every side, you bless the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land seed plant harvest but put forth your hand now give him a harvest now and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face now what was job afraid of he had it, it's talking about he had wealth substance animals plants crops everything servants and he said now he was the richest man in the East. So Satan, he got afraid he was going to lose his stuff. Wow. Satan went up there and said, now I want his harvest for his stuff, for all that he has. And the Lord answered him and said this. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. He has sown a seed, in other words, to lose his wealth. But upon himself, you can't touch him because he hadn't sowed a seed to die because he won't curse God. And he said, so Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now you see that? Can you see how that goes? Now yeah. here is Satan and the Lord having a conversation about Job and God. Think about that. There's four, four names being talked about here. Yahweh and Satan is talking about Job and God. And they're talking about them as if they're other people. That's interesting. Wow. So this is, now remember, this is the system Satan knows. But humans don't know it. So mm -hmm. they walk into it blindly. And he can lead them into it and appear as if he's God and make you think God did that because it came out of God's system of government. Now, now we could just, now, now we, we can't do this without telling this part. So he comes back up and we find out he goes back before the Lord. 
and we see what he's done there, and, and he sows a seed for his health to go bad. Job does. And so Satan comes up and says, now you, I want the harvest for his skin. Touch his skin, and he'll curse you to your face. And real so quick, what, in order to sow that seed, what, what did he do to sow that seed for his health? Is that well, you can read it down through here. Listen to what he says. He said, there was a day, okay, after the harvest of his stuff leaving, it says in verse 13, it says, his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job. The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Uh, they killed all the servants with the edge of the sword. I, only I am escaped alone to tell thee. And then while he was talking, another servant came and said, the fire of God has fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep, the servants that consumed them. I'm only escaped to tell thee. And while he was telling Job that, here comes someone else. Jeez. And it says, the Chaldeans made out three bands, fell upon the camels, carried them away, and have slain all your servants with the edge of the sword. And only I'm escaped. And while he was telling that, Jeez. here comes another and says, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I'm only escaped to tell thee. Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down on the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. He starts to afflict his own body mm. there. He begins to do things. Look what he's doing. And he starts cursing himself. Now watch what he says. He said, I'll go back with nothing. Naked I will return. In other words, I will now enter into the throngs of death. You see what he's doing? Yeah. He says, naked came I out. I'm ready to go back in now. This is what's happening to me. And he starts saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back out of this world naked the way I came. He's sowing seed for his own health now. And so Satan immediately grabs it, goes right back to the throne of God or the Lord and starts demanding this harvest. And he says, you can't kill him. Well, uh, let's, let's before we get to that, look at verse 21 again. It said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Oh, he's blaming this. Blessed be the name okay. of the Lord. Notice he didn't mention God not one time. Interesting. Not one time. He said the harvest, God in his government gave it to me. And God in his government has taken it from me. Okay. Wow. And verse 22, look what he says. In all of this, Job sinned not. But the next line, Steve, nor charged Elohim foolishly. He said the Lord gave it. He said me sowing seed took it. I and see. he said God didn't take it away from me. He said the Lord did. In other words, I've sown for it. And uh, can, can you clarify this? Because I know I've asked you this mm -hmm. before and I know other people. Mm -hmm. Are we talking, when he's talking about the Lord versus Elohim, Mm -hmm. Is he referring to the same talking, entity, well, well, the same being, or 
Yeah, yes, but it's God. See, it's just like this. We have to have a system yeah. of government by which we live. Yeah. See, people say nothing happens by accident. Okay, I agree with that. Then how do you think it happens? If it don't happen by accident, then how does it happen? Well, God's in control. He's doing it. Well, really? Yeah. Well, Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. So if it's got anything to do with killing, stealing, or destroying, then it's not God. It's the devil. And if it's the devil, then how is he doing it? Yeah. How did he get, how did he get access? Is, is that another way to ask the same he's, question? How did he get access? He's, yeah. He's, he's getting access, my friend, this way. He understands the court of heaven. He yeah. understands the way the law of creation and the way this is all governed. He knows how it works. Mm. And he's watching Job. Everything Job says, Job got in fear. He started confessing uh, a fear of losing his stuff, losing his children, losing his health. But there's an underlying statement through, through this part. He always says, uh, his wife comes out and says, why don't you curse God, Elohim, and die? He said, you talk like a foolish woman. He said, I'm not going to curse God. And every time Satan went before the Lord to get one of Job's harvest, every time the Lord said, you can't kill him, you can't kill him. He, he sowed to lose his stuff. Okay, it's in your hand. He sowed to lose his children and all, it's in your hand. He sowed to lose his wealth, it's in your hand. But don't kill him because he hasn't sown a seed to die. And every time the whole thing was trying to get Satan to, uh, getting Job to sow a seed that Satan could reap. Yeah. That's what he wants. Well, you find out later that Job said this. He said, I'll put my hand over my mouth and I know what I've done. In other words. And he said, and remember that said the Lord showed up in a whirlwind and finally told Job back here toward the end. He said, you spoke wrong of me. You spoke wrongly about me. He started blaming things that like God was just, it was just happening the way people blame him now. And he said, Job said, Hmm. He said, I'll put my hand over my mouth and I won't say these things again. He was humbling himself at that moment by putting his hand, but can sure. you clarify what was Job saying wrongly of God? What, what, well, where you, was that now point after, he did that? Yeah. After this starts to fall apart okay. and his three friends come to see him. Yeah. Now when his three friends come to see him, Steve, it's like one person said one time, they said, man, with friends like that, who needs yeah, a devil? Needs, I mean, right. You know, that's right. and they start talking to him and Job starts saying things and he starts, he even talks about a spirit past. One of them talks about a spirit that walked through and all of this. And it's, if you study the whole book, yeah, it's you begin to find out that now, remember, this is all a conversation to Moses to tell Moses what fear will do to you. And God had told him to go back to Egypt. And Moses said he was afraid to go back to Egypt. 
And Job was more or less saying, let me tell you what fear will do for you. And so when Job figured out what he had done, and he said, and said in all of the first part of it, he didn't charge God foolishly. But you can watch things start to change. Okay, got deteriorating. Did he start? Was it when he began? Didn't he kind of begin to stand up for himself? I did this righteously, and I did that righteously. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of this. You just have to go and yeah. read it. But you, if yeah. you read it with this in your thinking, yeah. And there's, of course, a lot of it, and we didn't prepare to talk about it, yeah. so I don't have it all yeah. in front of me. Yeah. But I'm telling you what happens, mm-hmm. and so. When he, Jacob knew it. And remember, Jacob was running from Esau. And he, he made, he took the staff, you know, was, we know was the staff of Abraham. And he makes a, a pillar out of a rock. He lays his head on it. And he sees this ladder going up to heaven. And it says the Lord was at the top of it. And he saw angels going up and coming down. And Jacob said this. Listen what he said, Steve. What was that in, uh, well, we could find it, Genesis. Well, anyway, he says, this is a dreadful place. It's what he says. He says, Jacob said, this is a dreadful place. Why would he say yeah, that? Yeah, well, yeah, this is supposed to be where he renamed uh, the place and everything. Yeah. So you know that. why it's a dreadful place? Because he understood that Angels were carrying seed up, bringing harvest back. And he said, oh, my. I have deceived Esau. I deceived my father. I've done all of these things. This is a dreadful place. And he said, it's a place where you come to that you realize you're going to get harvest for seed you've sown. And so he says, this is a dreadful place. He said. I will, uh, he said, I have seen the gate to heaven, the doorway. He said, I've seen the, this. Yeah, there it is. He was afraid. Genesis, I started to say Genesis 28. He was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So look what he says next. Since it's this way, go to the next verse. Jacob rose up early in the morning, took the stone that he had put for his pillars, set it up for a pillar, poured oil upon it. And you'll find out that he called the name of the place Bethel, the house of God. The name of the city was called Luz at first, the place of the almond. And so let's see. And Jacob vowed a vow. And he said, if God will be with me, if Elohim will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, I will and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord Yahweh, what I've seen will be my God. And then he says this, and this stone, which I've set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the 10th unto thee. So he recognized that it was seed and harvest. Mm-hmm. And that's so he said, I will become a tither right now. Damn. And so he started tithing because he understood what was going on. And so remember when he gets down to uh, Rachel, 
but they give him Leah. And Steve, look what they did to it. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. They, they made him think that Rachel, that Leah was Rachel. Oh my goodness, and that's harvest, isn't it? Oh my goodness, that's exactly I've, I've what never he did seen that Esau. before. I've never seen that yep. before. He had and, that one, and his no, parents would say he had that one coming. He did, and, that's, <laughs> and he knew it. He knew that. And you'll notice when he gets to, even to Shechem and all of that, he never does this again. Jacob never did this again after the encounter with that ladder. So he gets to Shechem, and remember when, when uh, Shechem, the city of Shechem, named after the king uh, who named it his son Shechem, and there was a lot of Shechems going on right there, <laughs> and, and Hamor and all that. Uh, so, uh, you, and remember, he wanted to marry, he wanted Jacob's daughter Dina, or Dinah, Dina, and he saw her out in the field. And remember, and he raped the girl. Mm. Well, the brothers said, we're going, you know, we're, we're totally ticked about this. I almost said something else, but he said, we're totally ticked about it. And he said, <laughs> he said, and I'm not laughing at the event. I'm just laughing at what, what the Lord put in my mind to say. And he said, uh, he said, I better not say it on your program. But anyway, yeah. And so people say, wow, you mean he'd say something like that? God would say a lot of things if that's the only words you'll listen to. If that's all you hear, he'll tell you. Now, I, I don't, I won't do that on, on anybody else's program, but my own. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But, yeah, but here's freedom. the thing. He was ticked off. And so the, the brothers were, Jacob said, you're going to have to cut a covenant with us and be circumcised. They said, okay. So grown men were circumcised so that they could partake of the blessing of the Lord. So Jacob had his first converts from Shechem come oh, into wow. the covenant. But, but Levi, and Simeon and, and the brothers and the men that worked for them waited to the third day of the circumcision when they're at their weakest. That's when they have a fever. They can't get around good. After the third day, it passes. The, the pain would be so great, the greatest on the third day. Yes. Mm. And, and the fever would be there. Mm. And so they waited till they were at their weakest and they stormed the city of Shechem killed every man there with the edge of the sword. They used the covenant to kill those people. Wow. Now that was serious business. And Jacob said, what have you done? He said, now watch what he says. Now all of their friends will attack us because you've sowed a seed they will attack us and do the same things. Jacob understood very well what had happened. 
And since that latter, you watch him, he avoids sowing the wrong seed constantly, constantly, constantly. And so he multiplies the sheep, makes them speckled and spotted, everything you can find he did it understanding that law. He did everything that way. And so when when the church has no understanding of this, they're going to blame God for everything that happens. Robin, are you you convinced that, uh, because I was just about to ask you about the church and all that, so that was the moment where this shifted. I've heard people preach on this that, that that happened before the cross and that would not happen after the cross. But I think I'm hearing you say that's still in play. That sowing and reaping is still in play. Are you, is it the same? Okay. Let, uh, go over to Mark four. Okay. Let's put up Mark chapter four. Do we have time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're good. Okay. Go over to Mark four and, and because out of the mouth of two or three, let every word be established. So okay. let's go to the New Testament in Mark chapter four. We'll put verse one up there. Okay. And if they there can follow me with that, we'll come down through there. There it is. As he began again, now this is talking about the master himself. This is talking yeah. about the Lord himself. Jesus, our, the, our, our king, he is God in the flesh. Mm. He began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Next verse. And he taught them many things by parables. And here's the line where you, you, your ears and your antennas go straight up. And he said unto them in his doctrine, in his doctrine. Now, wow. what is a doctrine is what we understand about scripture. The Catholics have a doctrine. Mm-hmm. The Methodists have a doctrine. The Baptists have a doctrine. It's all Pentecostals have a doctrine. It's all what we understand about scripture. That's yeah. our doctrine. So he's teaching them in his doctrine. Now, if we're going to find out his doctrine, then, then I'm not so much interested in all of ours. Let's see what his is about. Yeah. So the next verse, he said, hearken, behold. Now this, this runs its reference. Hearken can run its reference back to like an adhesive. It sticks to you. So Jesus says, now I want you to listen to my doctrine and behold is the word for bifocals. It says everything you, you weigh out in, in the scripture, weigh it through my doctrine, oh, hearken crazy. to it, let it stick to you. Let it be that part of your life and only look at scripture through my bifocals of my doctrine. And he says, here's, here's what Jesus God in the flesh understood about scripture. He said, there went out a sower to sow. He starts talking about seed and harvest. His doctrine, the first thing out of his mouth after that, as he's starting to sowing and reaping. He does brother. And he says, this is his doctrine. And he starts talking about sowing and reaping. He tells all about sowing and reaping. And then he comes to the place where he says, a man sleeps and rises day and night. And he said, he sows seed and he sleeps and rises day and night. And that seed's growing and he don't know it. He don't know it. He said, but when the harvest comes up, he will get it. 
because it's his. And he said, the earth brings forth fruit of itself. In other words, everything you say, do and act is a seed going out into an unseen garden that's producing so that you can become the prophet of your own life so that you are the one that's determining. And that yeah. you just read that that phrase a second ago. You said the earth does something itself. So what was that line? Brings again? forth fruit of itself. So in other words, it might not be God. It might not be the enemy. It might be the earth itself yeah, it's, responding. It, yeah, right. Because it's all the earth was given to the children of men. Okay, wow. And so everything, the scripture says that. Yeah. So everything that goes out into the earth, uh, it's, now think about these scriptures where the Bible says um, that the earth is groaning in travail, wanting the sons of God to be revealed to them because they don't know how it don't know how to react. It's trying to react to every word, every seed, every action, everything a man does. Yeah. It's supposed to serve him. And so it's trying to do it's trying and it says that it wants the sons of God to be revealed to it. And so when, when men stand up and say, well, God's in control, God's in control. Well, he wasn't in control of you until you gave him control of you. He wasn't. He wasn't in control of us until we gave him control. If he was, you, you would have just got saved whether you liked it or not. Because he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But Steve, all is not going to come to repentance. Some will bust hell wide open. And I, you know, when people say that, and when I've said that, I think, I think in my, in the back of my mind, I've meant God will let the enemy go only so far and no further till he stops. him. I think that's what's in our head when we say that. Yeah, but, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. Okay. Because it's just like this. Uh, that's just like me saying, uh, I've got this Doberman pincher on a chain here and I'll only let him go so far to just scare you so bad that you, you go up against a wall. I'll let him get this close to you, but I'm not going to let him go any further. And then, so I'm in control of the dog is what people are saying, but just suppose that dog breaks that chain or what if I let him go? Okay, if God's only going to let the devil go so far and he steals, kills, and destroys, what happened when the person died? If he only let them go so far and then the person dies, then God let them kill him? Is that what happened? Is that what we're saying? Let's just be clear. I mean, about that's, what a great, that's a really, really good um, uh, question to ask the question. I, I mean, yeah. I'm... I'm a, you know, Chris, I just lost my mom uh, this week and she's home with the Lord. So I'm very, very happy about that. But did the enemy, I mean, God didn't kill her. That's clear. Okay. But, but, but he, if he, he didn't, you know, it was if, her time to go. I guess I would say that. She was but if he only let the enemy go so far and he's yeah. in control of how far he let him go. But wait a minute, they died. Yeah. So how far did he let him go? All the way. See, yeah. then, then, then who's going to get put in jail, the dog or me? Well, in that case, you are. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. So if God is letting the devil loose on you and then kill somebody, 
well, who's guilty? Yeah, I see exactly what you're pointing. In other words, you're saying if God, if by saying, well, God's in control, by that act, by that thing you said, you're accusing God of doing this to you. Oh, that's exactly right. How? What yeah. else are we saying? Yeah. See, let's just be clear about what we're saying here. Yeah. And so, but he said, the thief came to steal, kill, yeah. and destroy. I came to give you life and more abundant life. And then he starts teaching a doctrine that the men that even came to arrest him once went back and told the religious leaders said, they said, why didn't you get him? They said, there ain't nobody ever spoke like this before. He talks like he has authority. And at 12 years old, they were talking to him and said, they were amazed by his, his knowledge of how it was happening. See, he knew he knows how it works. When he's on the Mount of Temptation and Satan comes to him and takes him out and shows him all the kingdoms yeah. of the world. It didn't say the governments. It said the kingdoms. Well, there was five of them. Kingdom of God, kingdom of man, kingdom of angels, kingdom of, of uh, animals, and the plant kingdom. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we picture cities or nations, but you're saying yeah. it's all of creation that's all, yeah you know, that's right he showed him the kingdoms of this world okay so which would have been man <clears throat> um um animals plants so forth these kingdoms angels man angels animals and plants the kingdoms of the world and he said they were given to me he told jesus he said they were given to me who gave them to him adam adam uh, I see what you're saying. Okay. And he said, I'll give them to you if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, you get behind me. So what is he talking about? Kingdom of God, man, angels, animals, and plants. And man and an angel switch places. And so when he said, "You," they were given to me. Now you bow down and I'll give them to you. And Jesus said, you get behind me. You don't belong next to God. You go down the line where you belong. And so he, he established authority right there. Jesus said things like this, Steve, that people need to realize. He said, when the son of man comes, he said, it'll be like lightning from the east to the west. He said, two will be in the field plowing. One will be taken, one left. Two will be in the bed sleeping. One will be taken, one will be left. Well, there wasn't any real night shift in his day. Those people, nobody plowed at the same time others slept. They knew that. You At dark, everybody went home. At daylight, they were back at work. Yeah. Jesus was telling the people the earth is, is divided into hemispheres. He was saying it's light on one side while it's dark on the other side. And while you're sleeping on this side, they're working over there. And while they're working over there, you're sleeping over here. And it's going to come at the same time. It'll happen. Two will be working, one taken. Two will be sleeping, one taken. He understood how the earth worked. He understood the, the way it all happens. And Satan understood it. So and, um, I want to ask the question because I... Uh, and this has occurred to me a number of times. I don't think I've ever asked it. Um, 
Every this is like in months past. This you've approached this topic. This is the most thorough we've ever hit this, I think. But when you make it very, very clear in this doctrine that and mm-hmm. the Lord's doctrine that there's mm-hmm. this sowing and reaping, even the earth makes sure you mm-hmm. have the harvest. I know that's what right. involved too. Okay, so now there's all these people that are saying, even since I was saved, I did this. Even since I was saved, I did mm-hmm. that. Someone's mm-hmm. saying, I just did yesterday and nobody knows it. And I'm mm-hmm. looking for the fix because if there's not a sure. fix, there's millions, if not sure. billions of people who are about to have a very bad harvest. How? What's the fix? Where do they stop the sowing and reaping if, you, if it can't be done? You know, you know, the thing, what you just said and why I'm laughing is okay. because what you really just said was, this is a dreadful place. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. Isn't that right? I mean, it is, we, it is what it sure. is right. It is. We right. come to that conclusion. Yeah. You, me, everybody. Once you see this, you say, like "I'll put my hand over my mouth. <laughs> I'll just, I just need, I, 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 I need crop failure quick." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's it's also revealed to us, and we couldn't we couldn't go any in this without telling people the the fix the yeah. way out now yeah. watch this okay we, it's it was revealed to us and uh i don't know how much time i got so no, i can run gotta, as fast yeah, as yeah, i go can for go it. we got a good half hour to go <laughs> go for it okay the the first fix began to show up in Genesis 4, when you start seeing where Cain killed Abel. Now, if since since we're we're kind of thoroughly doing some yeah. of this, let's just look at it a minute. Yeah. Okay. We'll go to Genesis 4, and we know what's happened now. Yeah. Genesis 4. Now, now watch this. Um, we get back here and Let's see. Okay. Genesis four, it says, and, uh, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man. <clears throat> Finish that line for me. I've got a man from, from the, the Lord. Lord, from the Lord, from the Lord. Seed was planted, harvest given. I got a man from the Lord. God's not mentioned here. Now watch, in other words, she knows where he came from. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought uh, of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And of the fat thereof, he brought the tithe, the firstlings, and an offering to the Lord. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, you could beat this thing. 
And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. So more than likely, this was a prophecy. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. The Lord is talking through the prophet Abel. And he's telling Cain. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field, this was after the talk, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Now, the Hebrew says he slaughtered him. He didn't just slew him, he slaughtered him. Because mm. they didn't know what it would take to kill a man. Yeah, Men couldn't die. You know, in those days, even after the fall, men assimilated like three times the oxygen they do now. And if you'd have cut a man deep, 30 minutes, it would have healed over. Oh, I mean, wow. was, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, and ferns, uh, it wasn't that there were more oxygen. They assimilated more. Yeah. And the ferns and all would grow 120 feet in the air, and God had creatures that could reach up and eat them. Yeah. And man could run. I heard one scientist say, in that kind of environment, man could run 200 miles and not be out of breath. It was just amazing. But they didn't know what it would take to kill a man but they did know what it would take to kill a sheep because they offered him and slaughtered the sheep. So it says Cain slaughtered his brother. So now you can imagine how the only thing he'd seen die. So he, and watch verse nine. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Now you're cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood. Seed and harvest. Seed and harvest. Watch now. He said, when you till the ground, it will not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. Seed and harvest. Because you soaked his blood into the ground. He offered him like a sheep. He just yeah. cut him up or, or slaughtered him. It looks like he would a, a, an animal. And he said, now the ground won't produce for you anymore. This is your harvest, King. And he said, but also a fugitive and a vagabond shall you be in the earth. Then he said, Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He said, behold, you've driven me out this day from the face of the earth. Well, the Lord said that. But then listen what he said. And from thy face shall I be hid. The word faith, face is the, it, it means the part that turns. Cycle, seed, plant, harvest. And he said, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. The Lord told him that. Yeah. This next part, the Lord didn't tell him, Steve. He said, and every one it shall come to pass that everyone that finds me will slay me. The Lord never said that. Cain, being a tiller of the ground, he figured that out real quick. My harvest for killing my brother will be, they'll try to kill me from now on. And so listen what was said. This was actually almost a form of repentance. My punishment is greater than I can bear. He this wasn't is, saying he wasn't even saying he he wasn't claiming he didn't deserve it. He knew he deserved it. Yeah. He's yeah. So yeah. he just said, 
this is a dreadful place. Mm. Wow. He said there, he said, not only are these things you told me going to happen, but now everybody that finds me will try to kill me. If this is the way it works, then they're going to try to slay me too. You can see that it's seed and harvest and he understands it. So the Lord does something. There must've been a a cry for mercy Hmm. in this. Well, you can hear it. I can't bear it. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. Help me. I ain't got a chance now. So it says this. Verse um, 15, 15. And the Lord said unto him, because of this, because of what he said, because of his calling out, he said, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him. Vengeance means a, a recompense yeah. or a harvest for your seed. He said, you will sow a seed that will come back on you sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And the Hebrew says that the mark was the letter Tav, which is the symbol of a cross. It's and it was a literal mark. mark, by the way. It was like the, like the Lord yeah. literally put a mark on him. Wow. Yeah, I believe he did. Yeah. And, and I can explain why I think that. And, uh, you know, they found that man um, who, what, what was his name? Otzi, they called him, I think was his name. And some hikers found him, you know, frozen in ice. Oh, yeah. Okay. From and like he dated, what, thousands of years ago or something? Yeah. He dated back 5,000 years to the time of Cain, they wow. said. So they, it was dated back, or someone said that dated back to the time of Cain. Damn. Well, Cain became very famous. They built cities after him. Remember one of his grandsons or sons said, said, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, then I killed two men in self-defense. Surely I would be um, uh, more than that avenged because I did it from a man trying to hurt me. And so when they found this man, they named Otzi, I think, they, um, they noticed something about him, Steve. He had like 150 crosses tattooed on his body really all over his body and they cannot they've they've tried to guess why he had these some say it was like acupuncture where they were doing arthritis arthritic things and trying to relieve pain they were crosses and they would have learned that from cain my goodness that is mercy every time you do something wrong every time they did something wrong and so it was probably a bloody cross because Cain probably offered a lamb at that point and marked himself with a cross somewhere. And so when he did the bloody cross, the first person that ever saved the cross ever saved was a murderer that killed his own brother. And And so the, we've, we started to see that the, the protection of bad harvest, is the cross. It's going to come through the cross. So when you get to Egypt and Moses and the children of Israel, it said that the angel of death came through Egypt that night. Now think about this, the angel of death, a reaper 
that was coming through a harvester. Jesus said, Matthew 13, the angels are the reapers. He's coming through the, uh, through Egypt to reap the harvest. And he said, you Hebrews are going to get the same harvest that the Egyptians got because they were assimilated into their culture. He said, the only thing that's going to save you is if you take a lamb. Really? And he said, mark the top of your doorpost and each side, make the bloody cross so that when the harvester of death passes through, it will leave you and pass by your house because of the bloody cross. So good. So then we see another thing in Psalm eight. Look what it says in Psalm eight. This is actually, and we don't have time to teach this, but this was actually a, a court case in heaven. Psalm eight is a prophet David recording a court case okay. that he heard in heaven of Lucifer uh, protesting against the man that was coming. And so when you read Psalm eight, he says this, he said, what is this man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you would visit him? But the case opens this way. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He said, Oh, Yahweh, our master, how excellent is your authority in the earth. And then he, he, he starts naming his case. And he says this, Steve, he says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, woe, have you ordained strength that you might stop the enemy, steal the enemy and the avenger, the bad harvest. He said, you can stop the enemy in his tracks and stop a bad harvest from something that even comes out of the mouth of a babe. And Jesus translated that verse in Matthew 8 and said it this way, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained praise, praise to stop the enemy and stop oh, the wow. Oh, right there. So praise and the blood stops a bad harvest from coming. So really when you good. find yourself in the dreadful place, you start praising God and pleading the blood of Jesus because of go. what he's did on the cross. So what happened on the cross? He became sin for us. Second Corinthians five 21. He who knew no sin was made to be sin with our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when he died on the cross, he became our sin he took all the penalty, all the price, everything came upon him. And he even went into hell and paid the price for three days and nights and paid the harvest for Adam's treason. And that's why the earth grew dark for those three hours as he became the bloody cross prophesied mm. from the days of Cain Gee. all the way through the Bible became our, um, our freedom from a bad harvest. Now watch this. And this is really will drive the point home. The name Yeshua, Jesus means Yahweh saved. Yahweh saved. 
Oh, that's good. Oh, I didn't realize. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because he was supposed to, in, at least poetically, he was to be renamed or named Emmanuel, which is God with us. But his other name, his street name, Yeshua. Yeshua, Yahweh saved. And it means Yahweh saved. In other words, he came through the system of law, born of a woman, took him on a body of a flesh, and he saved us with his blood because he, he was perfect in every way. And he's God in the flesh. And so he, all the bad harvest that man had coming came on him that day. And that's why they, they smoked their breast. And he was, it said he didn't even look like a man. His mm. visage was marred more than any man. Well, that's more than the beating. That's everything coming on him. And when he died, he went into hell like a sinner, even though he had never committed a sin. He became sin with our sin that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. And after three days and nights, Hebrews 1, 6 talks about how the Lord called him God and raised him from the dead. And when he did that, it would have been in the court, the protest, Satan would have started screaming. That's sin. You can't have that. You can't raise him. And then the mystery hidden in God was revealed. Yes, it is sin, but it's not his sin. He never committed a sin. So the sin stays in hell, but he comes out because he's, he's innocent of that. He never did that. And so that's what was being prophesied even from the days of Cain so all bad. the way through. Wow. 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 Even okay. from Genesis 3.15. So you see what happens. It's not that the law is done away with. The scripture said Jesus fulfilled it. Didn't say he canceled it out and did away with it. That he fulfilled it. In other words, if the law of seed and harvest was gone, the law, then there would be no more babies born tomorrow. There'd be no more food to eat today. All that law is still there, but you have a way. It's called grace. So good. Well. And you can plead the blood, praise his holy, precious name. And start sending out a, a, a blanket of praise over your, your lands, your gardens that you can't see that's growing things. And then you begin to plead the blood. When you plead the blood, you're throwing the whole Bible at the devil. You're just throwing the whole thing at him when you plead the blood. I mean, you're just, you're throwing all the scripture at him because it's all based on, it's a revelation of one person, Jesus. I mean, that must be why the why Jesus said as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, because you, you do show his death, demonstrate his death, talk about his death, live you know, so that's yes. supposed to be a constant, constant thing. Yeah, and what he accomplished in it. Yeah. See, now he said, take, eat, this is my body. And notice he wouldn't drink the cup with them. He said, not till I drink it new with you. In other words, I'm doing this for you. I didn't need it. It's you that needs it. So when we say this is your body broken for me, now your body's going to be in my body. And you start receiving that. And the blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood. 
And so you're partaking of that. And now his blood's in you, his body's in you. And this is covenant between us both. And as Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, said, if you do this, you can stay. In other words, you can stay well till he comes back. That's this is so how good. you do it. And so, so see, to say, well, God's in control. Well, God's in control. Well, let's, let's say what we clearly mean by that. Because if you mean God is only allowing the devil to go so far, well, what about those the devil killed? He must've allowed them to kill him. Now that means he's the one guilty, not the devil. Yeah. And yeah, you're accusing God. You're really accusing God at that point. So, and, and it's your only help. You have no more help now. Yeah, that's it. Now, Robin, we had talked, uh, if we tack on another 10 minutes of this, uh, there was something we were going to talk about today about, uh, death is lodged itself in the soul of America. Do you want to talk about that for a few minutes? Well, maybe so we could, we could do that. Um, uh, you know, the Lord told me, I think it was, it was yesterday or the day before, you know, he'll talk to me in the night or he'll talk to me as I'm waking up and he'll just start talking sometimes. He said, um, um, well, I'm, I'll read it to you. And it was a, it's like you said in the beginning of the, when we were off the air, you said, it's a sobering thought. Yeah. Well, all of this is a sobering yeah, we talked about today, yeah. but it turned out well, didn't it? Yeah. Dreadful place, but it's got a fix to it, you know? So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, he'll never lead you into a place you can't fix. Yeah. He'll never reveal that to you that you can't fix. Yeah. You know, when David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, did you notice that he didn't say the Lord led him there? He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down by the prospering green fields. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Oh, wow. He said, even though I miss it and, and head off down through that valley, he said, he's still with me and he'll help get me out. Yeah. And I, that, on that one scripture too, I studied that a while back a couple of years ago and that place, uh, though I walked the valley of the shadow of death, that's actually a place. That's yeah. the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, however you say that. And it was considered the, the place of darkness. And mm-hmm. and even though, so they said, so they're saying, even though I wander in this place of darkness mm-hmm. called the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, I will. I don't have to fear any evil. So that's interesting because they did yeah. it intentionally at their own will. Yeah, but, that's right. Because all, all the problems we face. Everything we get ourselves into, we get ourselves into Mm -hmm. because if we just listen and develop our voice enough uh, or his voice enough in our hearing, we would avoid those places. Mm -hmm. And so David said, you know, David talked about one time, he said, he knows we're just dust. (laughs) He said, he knows we're dust. In other words, we can miss it. But he said, don't get in fear when you walk off down through that place because fear will bring what you greatly feared on you. He said, his rod and his staff will bring you out. And so, you know, I love it. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So on that part, go ahead on that part about the soul of America. If you've got, yeah, we ended up back on something else, didn't we? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's easy for you and I to do that, but it's fun too. So, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. 
Well, the Lord had told me the other night, he said, um, death has lodged in the soul of this, of our nation. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. And he said, it must be pulled out. It must be pulled out. It said, death has lodged in the soul of this nation, of our nation. He said, it must be pulled out. See, the soul of our nation is, it, it, you remember when, when Biden was running uh, the so-called campaign for president? Yeah, so-called, yes. And uh, he, the slogan was, battle for the soul of a nation. Mm. Battle for the soul of a nation. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And this could be a whole nother program. Maybe we should prime it right here. Sure. But uh, see, a nation, this nation is like, if you looked at it as one man, you have a spirit, soul, and body. Paul said in First Thessalonians 5, 23, he said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord. Well, if you look at America as a man, as, as, as if it was a person, mm-hmm. it has a spirit, soul, and body. It has a spirit, freedom. Mm-hmm. The spirit of America would be freedom. Would it not? Mm-hmm. And then you have the soul of America would be the, the declaration of independence. That's our very soul, the constitution, the declaration, you know, and the constitution and the body of America are the people. So you've got the spirit of America freedom. You have the, the soul, which is the declaration. We, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal endowed by, you know, with certain unalienable rights by their creator. And among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, here we are in a nation built on freedom. And we went ahead and declared all in the declaration what our soul, this is what we think, our constitution, this is what we think. And this the declaration that, that you set the constitution on. I mean, it is the founding document of this nation is that declaration. And so that's our soul. And it's that soul that's been twisted. It's that soul that they've lodged death in. That's why that jackal said in his running for president, he said, it's the battle for the soul of a nation. It's the battle for this soul. And he would even lean down and growl almost at the people. That spirit's after the soul of the country. And so they took our freedoms. They twisted them. They twist our ideas of the Declaration and the Constitution. And, they, and, and this is where we, it would take a whole other program. Yeah. Uh, that when they had done this and they had, they had uh, lodged death into our soul, because, Steve, there's any nation that would kill its own unborn and sell their body parts has something's happened to the soul of that nation. Mm. Something's happened. That's not, that's not good to even allow something like that. And so you, you, you look at almost swine, you look at the spirits that went into swine. You know, when I grew up, I grew up very poor, very, very poor. And, and I, you know, we, we didn't have, running water in the house or nothing mm. like that where I grew up. We raised hogs. 
I remember this one big hog we had weighed about 600 pounds mm. and that hog would eat her own babies. Really? Yeah. And you're talking about swine. They eat anything, anything. And, and notice those unclean spirits. Jesus cast out of that man, went into that herd of swine. And so that's where it's representative of all uncleanness. And so you, you start looking at a nation that would feed on its own unborn and sell their body parts. The only thing they haven't done is make them fair trade on the stock market in Wall Street. Make those body parts for sale and make them uh, tradable at Wall Street. And they probably have done that under a covert measure. Yeah. We don't know it. But this is where it's come to. And so that's a, that's a death lodged in the soul of a nation. And I'll say this, and I'm glad you brought it up because we got, what, three minutes? Yeah, go like well, that. Yeah, take So here is the thing. So it's the soul of a nation has been, had, had a death kernel lodged in it. All these things are twisted up hmm. to where Congress would even, the Democrats wear, instead of flag pins, you remember they wore, I love abortion signs. I so love evil. abortion. So not, not abortion, but they love it. They love the slaughter of the unborn and selling their parts. Such wickedness. Unbelievable. Did you think we would ever live in a day where they would do that? I, That's I mean, swine. I never thought I would live to see anything like that. That's swine, Steve. Yeah. That's swine. And so now you know what, but you know where those demonic spirits lodged in what branch of government. Yeah. And it, and it was those that corrupted the soul and the Republican operatives they have that helped them get this done ought to be ashamed of themselves. Mm -hmm. But they, they've lodged this in the soul of people. Just that one issue should fix it. Mm -hmm. And preachers that would stand up any of them and defend that party. Knowing they do that, they need to go to the Lord and have a real come to Jesus meeting with him yeah. because something's wrong here. I don't care who you are. Slaughtering the unborn and selling their body parts is wrong. So you have the soul of a nation that has had death lodged in it. There's only one thing that will do that and dislodge that death and roll it out of the, the nation's soul and let us see what we were founded on again. And that is, there has to be a revival. Watch now. Or a revolution of God. And see, this is where it comes down to. You've heard me talk about the four stages of subversion. Mm -hmm. Demoralization. That's when a, a, a nation's brainwashed by an enemy. 15 to 20 years it takes to demoralize a nation. But once they're demoralized, they can't see the truth. They can't see it. And so they, they put in our universities uh, professors that teach socialism, communism, uh, liberalism, whatever it may, whatever you want to call it, anti-God. And they have to have three graduating classes of that nation willfully. And as they graduate those three classes, then they're told to get jobs in the government. 
in the in social uh, as social workers and all kinds of media, everything, but they're demoralized. They've been taught this one thing. And I remember one defector from the Soviet Union said, once they're demoralized, they can't see it. He said, they can't see it. He said, you can show it to them in black and white on paper, and they can't see it. You can show them in, in any way you want to. He said, you could take them to a Soviet so, uh, concentration camp, and they can't see it. He said, they can't see it. And he said this. He said, then the next stage, once you have a demoralized generation, now you know why you can look at mainstream media and they look like they're not home. You ever notice that? Mm -hmm. They just look at you like they're not home. And they'll talk about, they can talk about slaughtering children, abortion. They can talk about the most hideous things, mutilating children's genitals, take them at 10, 11 years old and forcing them to become something else they're not. They can force you to take jabs. They can do, and, and they don't care. And they look at you, if you challenge them with common sense, they just go. Because they're not home. They're demoralized. He said, once demoralization has really taken hold, the next step happens. It's called destabilization. That means they'll organize certain groups that that can be activated. LGBTQ, BLM, um, Antifa, anything that can be organized as ground troops. And they go in and start riots. They start destabilizing the nation. That takes five to six years. The third thing they do after that happens and the nation's destabilized, then they create crisis. And he said this in the fourth stage of subversion, which is taught in the art of war. He said, that's, you know, the Chinese philosopher Sun Tzu, however you say his name is the one who wrote that. How to overthrow a nation without shedding blood. So once it's destabilized, then they pull it into crisis mode. Crisis takes about six months after destabilization. But he said this, this is what the Soviets called active measure. They said, if it's destabilized, then it moves into crisis. He said, there's nothing will pull a nation back from crisis. Nothing, nothing. And he said, they leave, the enemy leaves his ideologies out here. And what was repulsive to you before demoralization is accepted to you at crisis. And the communists would say this, better red than dead. And Mm. so once it hits crisis mode, they said, there's only two things will pull it back. One is a civil war. Another is a foreign invasion. And the Lord spoke this to me, Steve. Because all of this is about crisis. That's all it was for. You know, you had riots, you had everything, but then crisis came. All this, all shortages, everything was had to do with crisis. And the Lord told me this, and I said this two years ago, maybe two, maybe longer, I don't know. He said, since there won't be a civil war, that's what he told me. He says, since there won't be a civil war, he said, I will invade from heaven. 
Yes. I will be the foreign invasion that comes to deliver the nation and pull the world back and pull the nation back. And guess what's happened? Death is in the soul of America. And then suddenly the Jesus revolution shows up. That's the foreign invasion we've been waiting on. Oh, wow. That's it. It will dislodge the death in the soul of this nation and replace it with the principles that it was built on to start with. And that's the foreign invasion. We watched it. We waited on it. And now here it is. Right at crisis mode, there is a foreign invasion from heaven that has come into the earth. And so that's what this revolution is about to dislodge death out of the soul of America. Man, I love it, Robin. Wow. <laughs> Very yeah. good. Wow, so good today. <laughs> you know, and like we said, we never know where we're going to go when we when oh. I introduce you, and we just don't really know, but this is especially rich and, uh, man, helpful too. The fix is in. <laughs> it's literally Amen. the fix is in. So, Amen. Well, Robin, you feel like praying for the people for uh, a few minutes here? I, yeah. I'd be honored to. Father, oh, in the name of Jesus, I pray mm. over the people. I pray shalom, shalom. Yeah. I pray, Lord God, that there'll be peace, peace, mm. steadfast peace. Yes, Lord. That nothing is missing, nothing's broken. Shalom, peace, but shalom, shalom, Lord, everything fixed. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And I pray, Lord God, that the truths that were told on this program today will sink deep in the hearts of the people that heard it, and it will grow up and become greater than any problem they face. And Lord, they will know what to do in crisis mode. They'll know what to do in praise and pleading the blood of Jesus over, Lord God, their situations, over their life, over their family, over everything that they face, that they will know that Jesus Christ is the answer and he's the only way and the only answer. Hallelujah. Lord, may this revolution of the spirit, let it roll on at full speed. And Lord, bring us into this place that we can see this deliver and knock the death out of the soul of America in Jesus name. And if anybody out there watching don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you just need to simply do what Paul said. He said, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and you shall be saved. Hallelujah. Don't stop there, man. Go on, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Say, baptize me in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And then just start speaking. And just start letting it roll, man. Let it roll. The revolution is on. Yeah. <laughs> love it, Robin. Hey, tell people how to get now. You have Sunday services on Sunday. And, and tell people how to, to see what's coming up on Sunday. How do they get to you? Okay. You can, uh, of course, uh, at Church International, every Sunday morning at 1045, we are uh, uh, we have live service there. Of course, Robin, my wife, Robin, is the pastor there. But I'm there with her, and we're all together there. But uh, it's amazing service. I mean, the revolution's happening there. Yeah, I mean, they're coming from everywhere, man. And, and are they coming. really? Yeah, the you know, like I said before, the cowboys, the hippies, the the <laughs> the, the the hair, the the gauges, the 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 LGBTQ that wants to be free. All these wow. people, they're they're just showing up, and so. 
They're not leaving the way they came. And for those and, that want to come, you're in Warrior, Alabama. You Warrior, Alabama. And yeah. um, it's easy to find. Just come to City Hall in the middle of Warrior, and you'll see the church. You oh, can't really? miss it. Oh, really? And um, uh, let, me t- let me tell the people this, though. Sure. Somebody has targeted me and the church, and people is wondering what's happening. I don't know who it is. I don't know what, what entity it is. But they've targeted when I'm on YouTube. Nothing happens until I say the first words. And if I'm talking, then they immediately file a copyright infringement. We immediate, And they take it down by that evening. Then we dispute it. They put it back up in 48 hours. But the minute they put it back up, they file a new one the minute I start talking. And so they're trying to run the 11th hour and church international off of YouTube altogether. And I can't even, I mean, they don't, they only let me speak and our channel's not monetized. We're not monetized. So if it's somebody trying to make money, they're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. But if it's somebody that just wants to silence the voice. Well, I don't know if you have a presence on Rumble yet, but Rumble has been extremely good to us, and we get the we get massive numbers of viewers. So, I certainly would recommend you yeah. getting on that at, at the same time. Maybe they finally well, said enough is enough, you know. Yeah, and we're we're going to we're going to stream to there. We'll also uh, we'll stream uh, straight to our website. Okay. And we're still on Facebook. That's good. And our website. Uh, where else? We're anywhere we can take it. Yeah. But I want you to know that's what's happening. Somebody has got them a system to where the moment I start talking, anybody else can say anything, sing anything. But if I start talking, it's, it's filed at that point. So they take it down by that night, but then we dispute it, but it takes two days for them to put it back. And as soon as it comes back and I speak again, they file a they new do one. it again. And so wow. you're off, 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 off. And um, so anyway. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're going to pursue all those other channels too because, I mean, we finally, as you know, we finally just said, all right, that's it. You mm. know, it's, the, it's no different than taking a bulldozer. If you're in a brick-and-mortar church or in a big church, they might as well take a bulldozer and bulldoze it. It's the same crime. It's the same crime. It's destroying your physical presence or your um streaming presence so yeah so, so we're we're looking and praying for a great uh the the ministry has grown to the place we're looking for a, and praying for a an it guy oh good who, girl that can just deal with that who can no, who, uh who should they write to do you know uh, so they can know if you'll just contact church international and put um attention Krista jordan krista, krista jordan okay. and okay. uh and then they your your email will be seen that's so good just good, email good, that good. yeah all right robin thank yeah, you so, so much anyway we're on your program today so yeah man. and you know when you got <laughs> and when you, copyright what i started talking if you get up on a new channel or something we'll get you back on because we want you anyway and while you're there we'll make sure you can promote the heck out of it the new channels wherever you are so we don't want people to not not be able to find you there well steve it's always an honor to be on with you my friend well honors ours and mine and yeah it's a it's a marriage made in heaven if you if you will it's just like it's a good thing i i 
I really found a home too at, on Elijah Streams, and so I really enjoyed being with you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. So, uh, all right, uh, Johnny Anna will be here on Monday as always, and it's always a very, very popular show. So do not miss yeah. this Monday, Monday at eleven o'clock Pacific. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Robin. Give our love to your wife, Robin, and we will see you all on Monday. Bye bye. Shalom. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.